these women were all really smart women, and all of the people that we're blessed to 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 coach are really really smart people. Where they struggle is in telling the world who they are, what they want, why they want it, what's going to happen because they are there, and it goes back to socialization. And so, as a part of our process, we we actually go very deep into discovery all the way back to your childhood. Because most of us as adults, what has helped us or what hinders us actually is connected to our childhood experience. So when we can go back and explore your life experiences, then we can identify the levers that we need to either shift or we need to optimize so that you can create a breakthrough. This week on the podcast, we have Trudy Bourgeois. She is a really cool lady who talks about how we can empower ourselves to get off the sideline and use our voices to um, better our work and help others better their work. Um, So we will jump right in. Well, welcome to the podcast, Trudy. We are so excited to have you here. Um, Trudy is the CEO and founder of the Center for Workforce Excellence. And last year, she wrote um, the book, Equality, Kurt courageous conversations about women, men, and race to spark a diversity and inclusion breakthrough. Um, So yeah, welcome to the podcast, Trudy. We are very excited to have you here. Would you like to give us a brief or more of an intro to who you are and how you got involved in your work? Yes, thank you so much for the opportunity to spend a few minutes with you and um, to share my experience. Um, I spent um, 18 years in corporate before starting this entrepreneurial adventure. And I um, have been uh, in business uh, almost two decades now. Um, And I I really, after becoming a a vice president in um, the world of sales and marketing, I I looked at myself in the mirror and I I really didn't like who I saw. Um, You know, I uh, didn't have the right phraseology back then to describe what I was feeling. But of course, today, you know, we, we know about things like microaggressions and we know things about covering and code switching. And, and I had just really, um, I think, become someone that did not uh, align with the values that I said that I believed in. And I didn't want other women and women of color and just people in general to have to deal with the challenges uh, on a daily basis that I felt like I faced. And so I decided that I was going to jump off um, the corporate arena, which people thought, what are you doing? Where are you going? Why are you doing it? And one of the uh, first things that that happened, um, just to give you a, a feel for my heart's desire to help particularly women and women of color. Um, a friend of mine um, who we had become uh, reciprocal mentors for each other was climbing the corporate ladder and he said, to, oh, his name is James White, by the way. He's currently the interim CEO at Ocean Springs, uh, o- Ocean Spray. He, uh, he uh, serves on a number of boards and is a former CEO of Jamba Juice. But he called me, he said, hey, uh, why don't you come work for me? I was like, no. I I want to be on the outside of corporate America. I want to be able to speak the truth, and I want to be able to help people really experience higher levels of success. And he said, okay, let me call you back. And two days later, he called me back. He said, I've got six women. All six, I think, can make it to the C-suite. I want you to coach them. And that is how my business began on a a national basis. Incidentally, five of the six are in the C-suite. 
Amazing. Amazing. When did you start this then? When, like, what was the year? Yeah, this is, um, this is 2000, 2000 and 2001. Sweet. So you've been doing yeah. this for now about 20 years, give or take. Yes. Awesome. Right. Congratulations on your 20 year anniversary. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Awesome. So I guess then what are some of those things that those women were really struggling with when they, um, when, uh, James said that, Hey, these ladies should belong in the C-suite, um, help them get there. What were some of the things that you were coaching them in and how did you really get them from that? Like, okay spot to that great spot. What, what was that bridge like? Well, that's a, that's a great question. So um, when I was in corporate, I just really was very um, uh, drawn to models, right? I mean, because um, that's how it works in corporate America. And so for the, the first thing that I did um, as I started this um, coaching practice was to, to build a model. And my bias is that, um, you know, you, you have to understand your business. And so uh, I started with um, a four-pronged framework, and it's business leadership, and then people leadership, and then organizational leadership, and then self-leadership. And what I found is um, at the time, and I still find this today, that uh, women don't really understand how what they do on a daily basis contributes to the growth strategy of the organization. And so, you know, I believe that there is a love language in corporate America, and one anchor of the, the, the bridge is uh, finances. The other anchor is relationships. And in between is value and impact. And so I also found and still find that women didn't necessarily appreciate the importance of building strategic relationships that would lead to sponsorship and advocacy. And definitely women of color did not have the, um, the, the strategy um, in mind to build those kinds of relationships. And so these women were all really smart women, and all of the people that were blessed to, to, to coach are really, really smart people. Where they struggle is in telling the world who they are, what they want, why they want it, what's going to happen because they are there. And it goes back to socialization, and so as a part of our process, we, we actually go very deep into discovery all the way back to your childhood. Because most of us as adults, what has helped us or what hinders us actually is connected to our childhood experience. So when we can go back and explore your life experiences, then we can identify the levers that we need to either shift or we need to optimize so that you can create a breakthrough. Wow, that's very interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's very uh you're going back to the root cause, obviously. Um, yes. What are some of those things that they, I mean, the, it could be so much, so much. Um, but what are some of those things that they, you find out in their childhood that you really need to get past and leverage? Yeah. Um, what, what do some of those things look like? Yeah, uh, for, for um, a lot of people, myself included, uh, you know, uh, 
we're taught we were taught to work really hard, keep your head down, um, and uh, you will be rewarded. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> that is not uh, the formula that works for corporate America. Or, or uh, you know, another example would be uh, you don't want to brag on yourself, right? Women are still struggling with articulating their value um, because of the old tape of I'm bragging or I'm being selfish and I'm not being humble. Or another example is, um, you know, n not really stepping into the leadership limelight, um, you know, always using um, phraseology and communications that would suggest that, um, you know, every everybody else is doing something, but you're not doing anything, right? And, and um Women and, and you know other men as well, but particularly women because of the way that we have been socialized, really need to hold up the mirror and understand that if you can't advocate for yourself, no one else is going to advocate for you. And you don't have to um, be arrogant or brag. You just have to know your business and you have to know your value and you have to be able to, you know, uh, show that value, speak that value, share that value. And, um, and the more that, that I'm able to get people into a space where they can show up knowing who they are, knowing their value, it, it just really empowers them. And so the framework that I'm working on now, specifically around women, is another four-pronged framework. I've just been working on it for the last couple of years as a result of a lot of feedback that I got from um, my first couple books and then, of course, feedback from Equality. But I think it, we've got to know ourselves. We've got to get in touch with who we are in our whole, um, uh, in a very holistic um, uh, life experience way. Like really know who you are. And then you've got to choose yourself because women do struggle with being authentic. And again, that's because of bias. And because of what the world says we can and can't do, but we need to be comfortable in our our own skin. And so we've got to choose to be authentic, and we've got to demand that the world embrace us. Now, now that's not to say that we don't need to learn how to style flex, but we shouldn't have to compromise who we are. And once we choose ourselves, then we can empower ourselves, and that's speaking your truth, asking for what you want, um, declaring with boldness that you want a seat at the table if that's what you want. Whatever you define success as, you should be equipped knowing yourself, choosing yourself to empower yourself to make it happen. And I really believe that, um, you know, without a plan, without a strategy, that none of us are going to be successful. So the last component of this model that I've built is share yourself. And in this process, we're teaching um, women, how do you talk about who you are as a leader? How do you talk about um, how your strengths can add value to advancing better business results? And how can you, um, in your natural state, really um, be viewed as having extra value? Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, because of the, the way that we've been socialized, what the research says is, we as women are naturally more inclusive, we're naturally more collaborative, um, we're naturally more transparent, um, and those used to be called the soft skills, and honestly, they weren't valued. But now, 
given the fourth industrial revolution, given five generations in the workplace, those soft skills are now the hard skills. And so I, I think it's never been a better time than now to be a woman in the business world. Um, we just need to awaken ourselves to our power and not be afraid to use it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's super interesting. I love that four tier, um, your new framework essentially. Um, do you have a story that would go along with how you've really um, used this four-prong um, framework in today's um, coaching atmosphere? Oh, my gosh, yes. I, <laughs> I want to tell you um, a story about a lady who I just um, fell in love with as soon as I met her. She was in one of my classes, and her name is uh, Dr. Charlotte Jones Burton, and she is so freaking smart. Um, I met her and um, she was telling me about herself and um, she said, you know, I'm a, I'm a double board certified nephrologist and she was working for a large pharmaceutical company at the time. And I said, gosh, that's fantastic. I said, um, tell me how much do uh, what you do on a daily basis contribute to the annual revenue for the organization. And she looked at me and she said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I said, um, Charlotte, it is really great that you are so brilliant, but if you can't translate that by making a shift into seeing yourself as a business leader, you're not going to ever get a breakthrough. And so we started going through this process. And, um, you know, she had to, to learn. We all have to learn. That's one of the, the marks of great leaders now is, um, you know, a true commitment to lifelong learning. But Charlotte started applying the principles. She started, you know, seeing herself in a different light. She started, you know, raising her hand and having an opinion about what the organization was doing. She, it turns out she had a big passion um, for helping the organization include more diversity in its clinical trials. She actually built for this company a platform just out of out of out of her head and her heart, she built a platform and approach and a strategy to make that happen. And listen, she, not only did Charlotte uh, thrive and have a breakthrough internally, she founded a group called WOSIP, Women of Color and Pharma. And she just unleashed her passion to, to make a difference for others. And now that organization is three years old, has thousands of members. It has, you know, na national conferences, global uh, connections and conferences. And Charlotte left that organization and got promoted to be a VP for another pharmaceutical organization. And she is still deploying the principles. And guess what? She is bold, bold, bold in her articulation that she wants to be a chief medical officer. She has no apologies about it. She explains um, her value, and, and, and it's just beautiful to watch. I mean, I just would love to have her be on your podcast because mm -hmm. she, she can tell her story better than I can. But now Charlotte speaks all over the world. Wow. Why? Because she got to know what was inside of her. She said, okay, I, I, I'm going to show up differently. I'm going to be viewed as a thought leader. I'm going to be viewed as a player. I'm going to be viewed as a strategist. And so she shifted her mindset 
and then her behaviors started to shift as well and she is going to go down in history um no lie no joke this lady is going to go down in history as a pioneer she's an african-american female and you know in the pharmaceutical world and many industries there's not um that many african-american females in um those kinds of roles so I, i always um look at charlotte and i'm so grateful that her heart was open um, but you can't, as a coach, you can't make people acquire new behaviors. The, the heart has to be ready. The appetite has to be there. So the saying goes that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. She was ready for a breakthrough, and that's why she was willing to soak it all up, and the rest is history. That's amazing. Wow. She sounds like an incredible woman. I need to meet her. <laughs> oh, uh, she is an incredible woman. I'm, I'd be happy to make that introduction. I'm very proud of her. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So they, like you said, they have to be ready. What kind of makes them ready? Are they just kind of in this pain point? Are they, are they just wanting to let loose and don't really know how? What does that look like um, for them? I think, you know, it's all over the board, um, driven by generation, driven by stage of your career maturity, driven by um, stage of responsibility. Um, I think that people get ready or approach a a state of readiness when they they fundamentally wake up every day and they're they're not happy. I mean, like, you're going to know that you need to do something different. If you're waking up every morning, you're like, oh, my God, i got to go to work, right? Um, And often what I find is um, the uh, individuals who haven't done the work of making sure that their passion and their capabilities truly align to an organization's needs, if they haven't figured out that formula, then, you know, they're sort of struggling to build a path towards success. And so uh, oftentimes women will say, I want a breakthrough, but I don't know how. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to make this happen. And, and, and so that's where our work comes in is we, we love uh, giving you the models to, to help you move from where you are today um, to another place. But I tell people straight up front, if you're not ready to do the work, let's not let's not engage because um, the, the 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 plans, the strategies, the tools, the tips, they work if you do the work. And this is another uh, component of of uh, dynamic of socialization that we as women, and particularly women of color, African American women specifically, um, have to overcome. And, and that is, we put everybody else first. Right. We, we, we don't invest in ourselves. And one of the principles that um, we have to have people who we coach agree to is you got to take 30 minutes a week of white space just for yourself. And I, I know that 30 minutes sounds like a whole lot when your uh, plate is, is, you know, spewing over. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you don't take the time, you won't think about your strategy. You won't, you won't be able to build your plan. You won't be able to reflect on the plan. And so the, this notion of investing in yourself certainly is not new. 
but it's one that, particularly for baby boomers uh, and even some Gen, you know, uh, Y, that we still struggle with the, the fact that women uh, are responsible for the lion's share of the home, right? And um, and that's changing. Uh, we have a 33-year-old daughter now, and um, she is married to her husband, um, a wonderful man, and um, they they are equal partners. Uh, it, it's so funny. Um, Indra Nui, who was the former chairman and CEO of PepsiCo, was being interviewed one time, um, and she said, you know, what kind of advice would you give women? And she said something that I was like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe that this even came out uh, of her mouth, but now I have such a new appreciation for it. She said, um, marry well. She said, get a real partner. And I think that that's good doggone advice. That's awesome. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you, do you see a difference in like different generations and how they approach this strategy and how they respond to different, um, different ways of letting their voice be heard kind of thing? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. again, I'll go to my daughter, Mary Ellen, who, you know, um, she says to me, you know, on Sundays, I usually cook three meals. Um, it's because I'm going to be traveling and I want to make sure the family is, is fed. And she goes, that is so stressful, mommy. And I said, you're, <laughs> you're right. It does add some stress. And I said, well, what do you do? And she says, Sundays, we either eat peanut butter and jelly, or we make <laughs> eggs, or we make something super easy, but I'm not going to add that extra stress to my mind. And I was like, oh my gosh, you go girl. <laughs> and it's just because they're giving themselves permission to say, look, I want to find joy on the journey. And for baby boomers like myself and maybe many of your listeners, we, we didn't have a focus on joy. We had a focus on uh, on getting um, to the top. I mean, we were, we were many of the first. And the expectations that were placed upon us then are so much different, although women still struggle, as I said, with bias and stereotypes. I, I tell you what I love about the shift that I see is that the millennials and, and the Gen Zs that are coming after the millennials, they don't have the same level of tolerance for working for an organization that doesn't embrace them holistically and authentically. They just don't do it. Um, they bounce, which is why, you know, the research talks about um, them having more than 20 jobs um, in their lifetime. And I think that that's going to force organizations to to look in the mirror and stop giving lip service to things like, oh, we embrace inclusion, we, we're family friendly. Mm -hmm. You know, most organizations, you know, have good intentions, but honestly, it's lip service. It, do, it does not translate into a culture where people are authentically embraced for their differences, where people are, uh, are valued for their performance rather than I need to see you and see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. it's there we, we are at a tipping point I, i'm i'm really very proud of of what the millennials are bringing to the table and what they're demanding um uh you know one of the stereotypes um that we as women need to over overcome is baby boomers look at millennials and you know we we talk about them, them being snotty nosed little brats and wanting everything yesterday 
often remind my colleagues, look, those were our babies. We created them. That's the first thing. And the second thing is they're no different than when we came into the workplace. We wanted something different. What I see, though, is the real value added is um, they're not afraid to speak their truth. Um, they are not afraid. I just love that. You talk about being empowered. Most, most um, women and, and people in general don't speak their truth because they're afraid. They're, 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 they're fearful um, because they're hooked on the drug. And the drug is called cash. The drug is a title. The drug is an office. The drug is this. And millennials just don't have that same burden. And man, I just I absolutely love it. Yeah, that's incredible. Wow. I am a millennial. And so I totally, <laughs> I totally relate to that though, because I like, I want to be satisfied in life. And another thing is too, millennials are looking for like a great job, not great money. Like, and, and that's the thing too, like people like in our generation are very, um, they want that experience versus, um, that thing. So that's another aspect of this too, is, um, understanding what they want and how can we serve them in the best way. I've heard recently that um, in the next 10 years, it's going to be, the world's going to be serving millennials. And I think that just um, comes straight into this conversation of um, millennials are, <laughs> are going to be changing this workforce. And this, this is the tipping point. You're so right about that. And I think that we as women, um, this is, you know, what you and I were talking about um, when we um, first started. I, I think that there is a call to action, a challenge to all women. We need to learn how to support each other across differences. And that includes generational perspectives. Um, I, I'm really quite sick of people describing millennials with labels. That's what we're trying to work against. We don't. We as women don't want to be described as labels. So we we gotta stop doing that, and we've got to meet people where they are and recognize that there is so. If we partner together, then then we really can influence the organizations because the two largest segments in the workforce right now are baby boomers and millennials, right? Yeah. So, so Kirsten, I mean, it, this this is a, a moment of reckoning, right? Yeah. I mean, it, there there's no denying your cohort is uh, represents the future leaders of not only North America but of the world, right? Yeah. And so this is why um, I think we have to have the courageous conversations. You know, uh, you talked about my fourth book, Equality, um, and it's really focusing on having all of these kinds of courageous conversations and holding up the mirror and, and uh, speaking uh, truth to power. And, and that starts with us as women speaking truth to each other. We don't know each other. We don't know each other, and we have not found our voice. In fact, uh, in the book, I talk about the importance of white women recognizing that they are now the new sponsors of the 21st century. And why? Because they have been the biggest beneficiary of affirmative action. And yeah. yet th th they haven't leaned into that power. They're not using the seat to, to twist and turn and pull the next 
um, generation with them or pull women across differences. This is the, the, the secret that nobody wants to deal with um, as it relates to women's empowerment. And I, I'm just, I applaud you for creating a platform um, to, to give voice to that which we don't want to deal with. And I put that on the table because if we don't deal with it, daggone it, we're going we're gonna to continue to inadvertently become a part of the problem, not a part of the solution. So I'm calling on all women, all backgrounds, all generations, all differences, wake up. Wake up. History is, is writing our pages, and we need to go down as being agents of transformation, unapologetic agents of transformation, because it's going to make a difference for the greater good. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. That was great, Trudy. I love that. That's, you're so right in so many ways. Do you want to give us a little a better understanding of what your book is about, um, Equality? Um, just so we, for listeners out there who might want to read it, um, give a little brief bio of what it is. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for for the opportunity to do so. So it really builds on on what we we were just talking about because in the book, um, I, I I really say um, uh, to all my female colleagues and friends and family, okay, enough of us waiting for someone else to do what we can do ourselves. And that's not to say that we don't need uh, men as allies in driving cultural transformation and creating environments where every employee can authentically engage. That's not it, it at all. I, I am just simply saying we're not having the courageous conversations. So as an example, in the book, I um, uh, recommend that we start talking about the third rail uh -huh. And the third rail is something that Melody Hobson uh, introduced. It's not a new uh, phraseology, but in her TED Talk a few years ago, she talked about the third rail. And the third rail is race. Mm -hmm. We are dancing around and trying to be politically correct about, um, oh, you know, this diversity and that diversity, when the truth of the matter is most organizations start their efforts in women, but it's been a focus on white women. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, they have, you know, ERGs that, you know, focus on sexual orientation and things of that nature. But what we have not done that I am uh, appealing to all of us to do is to have the conversation about race. Because until we have that conversation about race, then uh, I, I don't see us really moving the needle. I, I see people staying in their safe little pockets. Um, and uh, not personalizing any ownership of advancing inclusion. And th the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, the workplace is the place where the most um, diverse experiences occur. Um, most often people leave the workplace and they go back to their, um, you know, respective scope of homes and responsibilities. And if we look at who's in their inner circle, we don't see multiple generations. We don't see ethnicity. We see, you know, people who look just like them or look just like us. And until we start having that conversation 
it's 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 going to be continuous uh, frustration. I mean, I don't know honestly what business imperative, and this is what people talk about when we talk about um, diversity, equality, and inclusion. We talk about it as a business imperative, and I just call BS on that. Because as a former sales and marketing executive, if, if it was a business imperative, it would be all hands on deck. You would not have any tolerance for, oh, it's a journey. I, I mean, imagine if you're a sales leader and, and you go into the EVP of sales and you say, oh, we're making some directional progress. We're going to you know, miss the number by $40 million. And, and, and oh, you know what? It's okay, you know, everybody's sort of challenged. We haven't really gotten to the, you know, to the root cause. Man, you would lose your job in two seconds flat. Mm -hmm. So enough of the rhetoric, enough of the, the, the pretending that the strategies that we're deploying are working. They're not. We need disruption. That's what this book is about, disrupting the, the, the normal protocol, disrupting the way that we look at each other, disrupting the way that we engage with each other, disrupting the expectations that, that we have set. Sometimes we just get, we get like numb, like, oh, okay, that's somebody else's problem. No, you all, the decisions that we make are going to affect our children and our children's children. When I say history is writing our story, I'm not just spewing words. I'm not just, you know, um, spouting some um, theatrical gyration. I I'm trying to get people to feel the importance of, of what we make in terms of decisions. And I think women are poised to really take the, take the, the flag and, and run it up the hill. And I, I hope that people get that out of the book. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go read your book now. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds like a fantastic book. Thank you for giving that um, understanding and background of why you wrote it and uh, yeah. what's it about. Awesome. Well, Trudy, where can um, our listeners find you? Obviously on LinkedIn, but are there other places as well? Oh, yes. You know, um, like everybody else, I'm out on social media at Trudy Bourgeois. Um, our website is um, the Center for Workforce Excellence. Um, you know, I'm um, very happy in, that I've been able to uh, partner with um, a group called CTI, which is another organization that you've got to have their leaders on your podcast. Can't mm -hmm. wait to make that introduction. But they are moving and, and shaking and disrupting and so, you know, we've got some op-eds that are out in the universe, um, HBR articles. I mean, just Google Trudy Bourgeois and equality and, um, God willing, a whole bunch of stuff will come up. But what's most important is, is not that you find me. What's most important is that you find the courage to, to use your voice to to get intentional to get into the game get off the sidelines we can't afford to have any passengers everybody's got to be a player and if we can play man i just think that we can we can change things in a very profound way awesome well thank you so much for that message trudy i really appreciate it Oh, it was my pleasure. Anytime. I look forward to uh, hearing more about your podcast, more about your work. And again, I'm happy to um, be the um, conduit for other um, very passionate, dedicated and convicted, but most important, courageous leaders to come onto your podcast in the future.
Awesome. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.